Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello, I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Sunday night. Today's topic is an important one. There are over 8 million caregivers in Canada. This means that at some point in our lives, there is a high likelihood that each of us will step up to provide care to a family member. Today, we're talking to Sonia K. Singh. She's a corporate executive turned caregiver who is here to share her journey. In 2017, her father was diagnosed with a rare form of Parkinson's disease the same time her mother fell ill. And with both of her parents unable to care for themselves, Sonia had no choice but to quit her job and become a full-time caregiver. Her poetic memoir, Lightning Strikes Twice, gives insight into her struggles to adapt to her new role while also offering support to others providing care. Today, we're going to be talking about how this experience of becoming a caregiver can affect your everyday life, your health, and of course, your relationships, because we are on the Dating and Relationship Show. And sitting in with me today is show regular comedian Peter Anthony. This should be interesting for me because I can't even take care of a plant. <laughs> so Are you serious? We'll see where this goes. So you don't have a pet? I don't have a pet. Okay, you can't even take care of a plant. I can there take care of a pet, but I can't take care of a plant either. Okay. Right. Hi, Sonia. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What is a caregiver exactly? So I think there's several definitions. I define a caregiver as a family member who is unpaid and taking care of another family member who is either sick, aging, or with illness. That is how I describe a caregiver. And according to Statistics Canada, Mm -hmm. nearly 3 in 10 people are family caregivers. That's right. So we're talking about parents, siblings, aunts, uncles providing care to another family member. Um, Are there any certifications that are required to be a caregiver? There are, but then you get paid. So people who are in the position that I'm in, which is usually unprepared to become a caregiver, there is no government assistance. But can you easily go and get certified somehow? No, you can't. So those are registered personal support workers who have gone to school, are certified, and they're getting paid to take care of someone who is not a family member. And tell us about your experience becoming a caregiver. So, you know, I mentioned I was very unprepared for it. Um, I didn't think that turning 40, which was supposed to be, you know. Okay, you don't look 40. <laughs> thank you. Or you might be older than that now, right? Because how long have you been oh, a thank caregiver? thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> how long exactly? Um, so I guess I'm going to be 42 in April. So that's old now that I think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, you're so old. <laughs> don't say that. Oh, yeah, you're so old. Don't I, say that. Okay, okay so, I'm going to come over there and strangle you right okay. now, okay? <laughs> I've, now, I feel old because of what's happened. So um, this this all happened two years ago. I had just turned 40, and I think in my mind I was, oh, you know, 40 is the new 30, and at some point I will be in a great relationship, and I'll probably think about having kids and all this stuff. And you're single. I am very single, yes. Have you been single for a while? Um, I think so. In my mind, I have been. But you've had some, you've had some relationships along the way, because I want to talk about that. I have, and I think that I was checked out of those relationships, hence why in my mind I've been single. Oh, okay. If that makes That's sense. That's sad. No, actually, it's oh, for it's the good? better. I'm okay with it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I, I got into a situation where, I, like I said, I just turned 40, and my dad um, had decided he was going to retire early, and he started to have symptoms of some aches and pains. 
and I started to get um, a few calls from my mom saying your dad has fallen and he fell in the garden and so I just thought okay well dad's lost his balance you know it's 40 degrees outside and he's been under the sun for seven hours he probably just fell over and she called and said well a neighbor found your dad now this is the winter and he'd been out in the snow for about 10 minutes and he was just laying flat on the driveway he had toppled over so I knew something was wrong and I think at that point is when you know that sort of red flag came up and I thought okay I need to do something about this and figure out where we're going to take dad next and so we took him to a lot of doctor's appointments and then realized later that um, they thought he had Parkinson's which he does not have Parkinson's he has a very rare form of Parkinson's and how old is he may I ask so he at the time was 65 very young, okay, so very athletic. Yes, that's um, young. Jogging every morning. He is the you know the big social man on the block. Everyone is constantly going to him. A swimmer, and live so, every day like it's your last because you never know when something's coming. Exactly, and so he was diagnosed with PSP, which is progressive supranuclear palsy. Um, it affects twenty thousand Americans, and you eventually become bedridden or sofa ridden. Um, to the point where you are unable to walk anymore because it's a degenerative disease. So your brain tells you to walk, but you can't get your feet to the point that you can actually get up and walk because you topple over. And so in a matter of months, this was happening. And my mom became the full-time caregiver for my father. And in the process, one day she was dehydrated from running errands all day. She went to go make a large pot of lentils for my father and herself. And she took the top off and the steam went into her face. And so as she fell back, the she knocked the pot over and she burned 44% of her body in oh third no. degree burns. And uh, she had severe nerve damage. So now I had two sick parents and they could not be on their own. So it was time to get home. Oh, that's where you had to go through that. I'm sure you're still going through it. I am in a different way though. Okay. So what are your daily responsibilities and tasks then? So, um... At the time, there were two parents. I don't know if you know, but there's only one now. My mom passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. So there's only one parent. So my mom, unfortunately, she was a warrior. She fought really hard, but she passed away. Um, and did she, she pass away from her illness? She did. So um, because she was just fighting infection after infection, and her body couldn't handle it anymore. And so she was only 61. And um, now, in, in that moment when I lost my mom, it was the first time that I actually thought to myself in the last two years that I, I got to be a daughter and watch her no longer be here. But then as she left, I was back to being a caregiver again to my dad. So I don't, I don't even think I've been a daughter over the course of the last two years because I've been in this role as a caregiver, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. We need to take a break. We're talking to Sonia K. Singh about her experience of uh, becoming a caregiver and how it can affect your everyday life and relationships right here on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Today we're talking about how the experience of becoming a caregiver can affect your everyday life, your health, and your relationships. With Sonia K. Singh, she's a corporate executive turned caregiver and show regular comedian Peter Anthony. 
And uh, so I, before the break, we were just talking about your, your daily tasks. And so sorry that you just recently lost Thank your mom. You. Thank you. Um, but you probably, in, in your mind, she was suffering, right? So you're probably thinking she's in a better place now. She's at peace. How, how do you feel about that? I, you know, I don't know because I don't realize this is going to sound really strange because I'm in the same house that I grew up in and my room is next to hers. I don't think she's gone. I feel as though she's on a vacation and sometimes I hear things in the house like the garage door opening so I think that it's her coming back from work or I will hear somebody use her bathroom and then I think that it's her in the bathroom. So I haven't necessarily coped with the fact that she's gone and it's only been six weeks and I think that I need to tell people that she's no longer with me either. A lot of friends don't know. And um, it's just, it's my, it's what I did as a caregiver. I contained everything. I didn't let people know that my parents were sick. And I think I'm having an even difficult time even understanding that she's no longer here. And okay, so let's talk about your job in life now. Mm -hmm. So you had to leave your corporate career. Mm -hmm to care for your parents. So so what was that like for you emotionally? I don't I don't actually remember not making that decision. It was not a decision that I was going to actually have to think about because it had gotten to the point where they were both sick and both of my sisters were living in Guelph that they were taking on the burden of taking care of them full time. There was a strain on the relationship between my sisters and myself. I would be texting and asking how my mom and dad were doing and they said to me, well, why can't you just be there? You know, why can't you be in the appointments with us? Why should we have to tell you through text? And it really was frustrating for them to have to go through a doctor's appointment when there's a language barrier and the doctor tells them what's wrong and then have to explain that to my mom and dad and then get a text from me and explain it again. So I think it just made sense for me to go back home. And, you know, I don't know if there was another pull because I feel as though I made the decision maybe knowing that at some point somebody was not going to be around very long. So I had a limited amount of time to spend with the, with my parents. Right. And what were the repercussions of having to live without your career mm-hmm. and a paycheck? Well, that would have been tough. It, it was tough, but I was also living in Guelph, Ontario. So I'm not going out every single night. Um, you know, I wasn't being social. I was very isolated. And so my day to day didn't consist of spending my paycheck on seeing my friends, going out for drinks, going to restaurants. But it was difficult to leave my home. I have strangers living at my place through Airbnb. Oftentimes I go back and I just don't even feel like it's my home anymore, that I am almost airbnb my own place out. Um, and quite, quite honestly, my finances were depleted very quickly because I also became the type of caregiver that went into cure mode. So I was trying to find um, different ways for my parents to no longer have their sicknesses or illnesses. So I spent a lot of money on second, third, and fourth opinions um, from the U.S., and that cost a lot of money. And, you know, a lot of magical pills that I thought would help my mom or my dad with his disease. And that was thousands and thousands 
thousands of dollars later. And none of them worked, obviously. Nothing worked. No, so yeah. Nothing worked No such thing as magical pills. Can you give us an example of like some of the things you tried, alternative therapies, anything like that? So, um, you know, there was a lot of supplements that I would buy online. I had various types of coaches come to the house and they said that they only had, they had access to a special type of pill. And so you buy into it thinking that they're certified. And I remember spending $200 on 20 pills that were supposed to make my mom heal better and give her a stronger immune system. And it did none of that. I also ended up buying a bike for my dad, which um, they had said that the bike was supposed to cure somebody with Parkinson's and actually get them to walk again. That didn't happen either. I spent money on a personal trainer for my dad to come into the house to get him walking. And she had, quote unquote, promised that he would be walking to his own garden by the end of the summer. None of these things happened. But when you're a caregiver, you have hope that this will happen and you will see your parents um, be strong again. So what are the little things that you miss most? Um, I miss my mom. No, no, no. I, I, that 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 yeah, people take for day. granted. Yeah, mm-hmm. for every- I'm. You know, I miss. I missed my friends. I miss my friendships. I think that I went through a time that I really segregated a lot of what was happening in the house and I didn't share that with close friends. They were very surprised to even learn that I had moved to Guelph. I think two or three people knew that I had done that. So I had a very robust social life and I made it seem like I was still living in Toronto. Meanwhile, I was living in Guelph, Ontario in my old room with, you know, teenage posters up and my clothes were everywhere and I was very disorganized. I had a little bit of FOMO, the fear of missing out, which was all my friends were going out. It was summer. Everyone is sort of heading to the cottages and, um, and I, you know, I missed intimacy. None of that was happening. I was at my parents' house. It's, I couldn't really get away with a lot. So I, I missed some of those things. Well, you definitely weren't selfish or greedy. Oh, thank you. Because I remember whatever the polar opposite of that is. Well, is what's because on your I list. remember, you know, I remember is, being I a say. little selfish and greedy when my grandma was ill. She was in her nineties, and she got to a point where she was bedridden, and I, you know, I took part in caring for her. But every time I would walk out that door, she would make me feel guilty for leaving her, and I, I felt really bad. But then at at some point, it's like, well, I gotta go live my life. Like it doesn't sound like you did live your life at all. Where I kind of did, I, and I just I I would think about it, and she made me feel really bad. But at the end of the day, like when there was a party going on, I went I went to the party. Oh, I did not go to the party. Yeah, and I couldn't go to the party for various reasons. But also, if there was alcohol involved and I had a drink, my emotional level just skyrocketed. So you could look at me and just ask me how my parents were doing, and I would turn into this evil person. You know, why are you asking me when I'm having a drink? And how how close were you keeping? Keep, you said. Uh, earlier that you weren't relaying this information to a lot of people like how close were you keeping it did you have anyone else you could talk to about it during during this whole period of time uh, well, I was dating somebody, so I did try to talk to him about it and my sisters. Um, but no, not to friends at all. It was very contained. We want to talk about how being a caregiver can affect your dating life. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're talking to Sonia K. Singh. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Show regular comedian Pe- Peter Anthony. Peter. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, I mess up on stage all the time. You do can you? do it on the air. It's do all, you it's actually? All good. Oh, sure. It's great. 
So, but don't you rehearse everything and... Well, you can, you can only rehearse so much, but you're in a live situation, so it changes all the time, right? You yeah, but be... I bet you you catch yourself and people don't even know that you messed up. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I... about your foot. Laura. Laura's on the air right now with her foot up because it's broke. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do, Laura? I uh, I slipped and fell on ice and broke it. And how many times have you done that in the last three years? No, two years ago I broke my ankle around the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wearing almost the same boot because the last one was almost up to my knee, and this one is a little Canada's klutziest shorter host. Here she is. Yeah, and these guys think it's funny. It is funny. <laughs> it's not funny. But you're laughing. You have no idea what a damper it puts on your life. Like, yeah, but it's funny for I me. I can't even, what, really, like just standing there and I'm cooking no, or bad. carrying anything. Or, it's like any task takes forever. I, like, feel I, bad I have for to take you. an extra hour to get ready for the show today. I'll send you some Uber Eats or something. Oh, shut up, Peter. <laughs> Honestly. Are they one of our sponsors? No? Okay. I'll yeah. send you some. Who's our sponsor? We don't have a sponsor. Okay, I'll send you nothing then. <laughs> <laughs> Sonia K. Singh, she's a corporate executive turned caregiver. She's here. And uh, we're talking about, or she's talking about her experience of becoming a caregiver and how it can affect your life in general and your relationships. And uh, we're also offering tips on how to cope. So you were dating mm -hmm. uh, at some point. You're not right now, though. No. Okay, so how does being a caregiver affect your dating life or how did it? So it's interesting because initially when I found out my dad was sick and then my mom became sick, I wasn't in a relationship. I remember coming home one day after I had visited my mom at the hospital and I had walked into my house and I was just feeling really down and a friend had texted me and asked me to go to a Christmas party. So I ended up going and I was wearing these, you know, dirty galoshes and my hair wasn't done up. Dirty and, galoshes? Yeah, I don't, they were just really mucky and dirty and um, <laughs> I, I looked horrible because I had I was spending days in the hospital next to my mom. And anyways, I decided to go out. I met three guys actually, and so I decided, okay, well, who am I going to hit? Well, it you off couldn't have it? looked that bad. <laughs> I have a great personality, actually. <laughs> no, guys don't care about that. Sorry, <laughs> hate to break it to you. They're very visual. So, um, anyway, so one of the one of the guys, we we hit it off, and he pulled me away. We ended up walking back to my house, and on the way, we grabbed another drink, and it was just the strangest thing because for the first time, instead of telling my close friends what was going on, I told a complete stranger everything that was happening in my house from my dad being sick to his disease my mom being in the hospital and we immediately just started dating it was you know a month later he said I love you, you. told him right away I told him right away that night over a drink you're not supposed to do that I know and I well <laughs> and the thing is I didn't think I was going to see him again because he certainly was not the type of person I would date normally okay and um, yeah because that's how that you, you tell people those types of things if you know you don't want to like if you know for certain that right. you, you don't don't ever want to see them again. Right. And I think that's what it was. But he was so persistent. And, and persistence I, pays off sometimes, I think. Yeah, I think so. In this case, I was very vulnerable and weak. So really, mm -hmm. anybody could have, not that he wasn't a great guy, but anybody could have taken advantage of the place that I was in. And all I needed was an ear to uh, listen to what I was going through. And that's what happened. And so we, we literally got into a relationship way too fast. And we dated for you know, eight months. And he was there through the whole process of um, meeting my mom and my dad in these different scenarios and experiences. And, and I bet you, you brought him home right away. I did. And I did because, and I look back, 
I think, you know, my middle sister's married. She had a child. Um, my youngest sister was engaged and I was the oldest. So I was thinking, okay, my mom and dad probably are not going to make it for another year or two years. I better speed up this process. So this guy who I like um, says that he loves me. So he might as well just meet my parents. And he you loved know. you right away? He, of course. So that's a big red flag right there. Well, I think... Yes, I don't know it is, in I, my experience. But I the other way around. If the I, girl loves the dude right away, it's like, oh, okay. No, All but right. it usually doesn't happen like that. Usually the dude loves the girl first. Is that true? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. It is. I feel like I get I love yous like on the third date. So that always happens to me. It wasn't anything that I, oh, that was another guy's in love with me. You know, it's just, okay, okay very normal. Well, it must be that. you then. I just, it was very <laughs> normal for me to hear that. You are very special. Wow. <laughs> it would be very abnormal for me no, not to hear Peter that. Peter Anthony wants to date you now. <laughs> hey. Well, I, I actually know him from yeah. way back when. Well, yeah. hey. We met I, like 15 I, years ago. You know ago. what? Back then, I thought he was very cute. Oh, not that you're not. No, we're making God. a love connection here on no, the I date. Is, time has not been as kind to me as it has been to you, Sonia. Oh, no. Peter Anthony, you are, don't underestimate yourself. You're a cutie pie, okay? Come on. She keeps trying to. You know, make me do stuff. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, sorry, sorry. Please no, go it's ahead. okay. Um, Anyways, so then we got into a relationship and I was trying to fast track everything. I was sort of, you know, like we should we should get married because my youngest sister's getting married. We should plan a wedding. We should think about having a child and all of this sort of stuff. And I just think back, thank goodness none of that happened. And if you read my book, it actually, there are uh, moments in there that my mom pulls me to the side and she says, this is not the right guy for you. You know, he does not uh, do this. He does not have this. He was not working for the whole time I knew him. And um, uh, red flag. Could, could you, could you describe more quality like you said it's not he's not normally the type of guy i would mm. date can you describe some of those qualities for us are you asking or yeah is i'm that- asking <laughs> <laughs> oh okay peter anthony's playing his own matchmaker <laughs> <laughs> I okay so you know I look for a guy that's usually employed and he which was, you are <laughs> he was not working um and someone who is very close with their family he did not have a close relationship with his family um and therefore he could not understand the relationship with my family was he south asian as well Oh, I, I don't like to date South Asians, so it was perfect. Not- what just <laughs> happened? What, where did that question come from? What happened? I not that there's anything wrong with that at all. I, I think South Asian men are very attractive. My sisters both married really wonderful Indian people, and that's just not for me. We're talking about how being a caregiver can affect your dating life on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be back. Don't go away. Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. I'm your greatest host in the whole entire planet universe. Easy. <laughs> Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca and show regular comedian Peter Anthony is here. You're the greatest too. Oh, greatest what? The greatest comedian. Well, really? Where's my Netflix special? <laughs> That's because you don't apply yourself. Oh, jeez. Who are you, my dad? What's going well, on here? Well, you're not even on Instagram. I don't want to get into that again. <laughs> Sonia K. Singh is here. She's a corporate executive turned caregiver. Today, we're talking about how the experience of becoming a caregiver can affect your everyday life and your health and your relationships. And before the break, you were just giving us a little bit of insight in your dating life and this one guy that you kind of... 
jumped into a relationship really quickly with. But what are the biggest struggles that you encountered? And, and what are like, what should people in a similar situation be aware of? So I think for me, there was a lack of self-care during the whole process. I am one of those types of people that really likes to have a lot of emphasis on learning and developing. So meditating, going to the gym, all of that was non-existent in my life because at this point, my story is a bit unique. I'm taking care of two sick parents. And you probably had a lot of anxiety too. I had a lot of anxiety. I would have massive panic attacks and I lost 13 pounds in two and a half months. I was making so many meals for them, I was forgetting to eat. Mm-hmm. And each person had a different meal. And so by the time you get around to eating, you're just, you don't even think about yourself. Um, and you know, this is gonna sound a little gross, but you're not, you're not showering. You know, that's the last thing you wanna do. You're not brushing your teeth, you're not brushing your hair. And it's so stressful. Um, I was very, very stressed out. I got to the point where my hair started to fall out. Um, I had onset alopecia. And all these things were leading to the fact that I wasn't handling this situation like I should have been, which would have resulted in me having better self-care. So I think it's important to take time out for yourself if you can, even if it's an hour through the day. It's important to talk to people, have that communication. I handled it in a way which I thought if I contained their sicknesses, their illnesses that you know they wouldn't spread that their sickness wouldn't spread their illness wouldn't spread it's the wrong thing to do you should let your close friends know what's happening you should let extended family know what's happening and you know I think that if I was on the reverse side of things and a friend was going through this instead of sending a text and just saying how are you or how are your parents doing I would show up I think a lot of my resentment and anger came from oh how are you doing today as opposed to hey I came over and brought you a coffee or I'm going to bring you this casserole because I know that you have no time to cook. Um, So there's two ways to look at it from the side of the caregiver and then the side of the friend who has a caregiver in their life. Very interesting. And so do you think it's uh, possible to sustain a relationship with someone uh, that is a caregiver? And do you have any tips that you can offer? I think it depends on who it is. not with me. I don't think that would have worked at all. I was just too busy taking care of both of my parents that there was a lot of guilt if I was going to have any type of intimacy or dating. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, that's the last thing you want to do is be in bed with somebody and kissing somebody and like sharing those intimate moments with somebody because your brain is just thinking about taking care of your mom and dad who are in the next room. Um, but, but Sonia, at some... at At any point, did you think, okay, well, let me get some help for my parents so that I don't have to like, and where were your brothers and sisters? Because that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if I had a, if I have to take care of my parents when they get older, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to change any diapers or I'm, you know, I'm going to get help doing all that Mm -hmm. stuff that I don't want to be doing. So how come you didn't do that? So I get that question all the time. And my sisters were there the entire time, right? They were? They were. How many? So there's there's three of us and they all between three of you you well they all lived in their own homes okay so I moved in full-time and because there's two parents and you got to think of all the responsibilities which means two different types of appointments that are happening not just doctor's appointments but rehabilitation appointments because my mom has nerve damage Um, meals need to be cooked errands need to be run prescriptions there is uh, personal support workers that are coming through we had actually hired somebody so this is when I finally decided that it was time to come home was because um 
uh, somebody we had hired someone and they stole my dad's wallet and you know it wasn't the fact that they had stole the wallet and there was money in the wallet but my dad is a person who can't go and get his government id like any other person could because we can't sit him in a car anymore and that struggle was just so painful to think that somebody was hired to take care of my but mom and don't dad. they have to go through such they do they do and this is a this is yes a personal support worker that's hired through the proper channels and they stole a wallet with government id with money in it also my dad had fallen in the hands of four different personal support workers where he was rushed to the hospital three times and you know people and i've been at the home where i heard a huge thump went downstairs and the personal support worker was picking up my dad from his pants pants up and you know i and I am freaking out, yelling at this person, like, what are you doing to my dad? You can't do this. And I would often ask them why they weren't um, taking care of my parent the way that they should be. And they would say to me, well, we didn't read the notes. You know, we didn't read the notes before we showed up because we've been busy all day and you're the last person on our list. There are great personal support workers out there. They just did not happen to be taking care of my parents. Maybe a different company? There were three different companies. It also feels like this is going to become a bigger issue as our parents' generations age and get older. There's going to be so many older people that need care. And there we don't are have, now. Yeah, right? and we don't have a plan in place, I mean, yeah. even provincially or federally, that, that's going to attack this issue. So, wow, bigger issues at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. We need to take a break. And when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we're going to talk about the psychological effects of being a caregiver on the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We're talking about being a caregiver and how it can affect your everyday life and your relationships and your health with Sonia K. Singh. She's a corporate executive turned caregiver and show regular comedian Peter Anthony is also here. And I'm Laura Bellot of singleinthecity.ca. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I want to talk about the psychological effects of being a caregiver now. Now, becoming a caregiver can cause many health consequences. Uh, many caregivers report multiple signs of psychological distress. In fact, according to Statistics Canada, more than one quarter of all regular caregivers reported five or more such symptoms out of a possible nine. Now, in your book, uh, the book Hypnosis, one phrase stood out to me. It states that your book describes what it's like to lose your independence while watching yourself become an orphan in slow motion. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, please? Well, I think when I look back on this situation, because I had moved back home, as I said before, I was living in my childhood home, in my childhood room. I had already lost my independence from having my own place in Toronto and being able to come and go as I please. And now I'm living in a city where I have no friends and my day-to-day is with my mom and my dad. I knew at some point that they weren't going to be there much longer. And I think that's why I was also fast-tracking, whether it was the relationship or whatever I was doing in that time, knowing that I would be an orphan. You know, my sister has her husband. My other sister has her fiancé. What happens to me? 
Um, my mom sadly passed away. My dad will not be with us much longer. His disease is very progressive. So where do I go? If I'm not in a relationship right now, who's going to take care of me? Um, and I didn't want that kind of independence because I wanted to be in a relationship, but I felt as though I was slowly seeing myself in a situation where I was going to be alone. Right. And just a, a question, because I guess when your parents fell ill, you were 40. Mm -hmm. So what happened But in your 30s? How come you weren't in a relationship then? <laughs> I, it's, honestly, I have a hard time remembering the 30s because of everything really? that's happened. And I, I'm two different people. If you were to ask my friends who I was in my 30s, I was, you know, traveling the world working in a career that was in front of the camera. Then I switched over into PR and my life was going out all the time and networking and throwing these parties. I worked at one of the biggest hotels in the city. I find that when you have that type of lifestyle, which I did when I was a lot younger, mm -hmm. it's so much harder to meet someone. Mm. I think it's because men don't take you seriously. What, what do you mean when you're successful or, or moving around? When you're so moving much? around so much and they, like they view you as the party girl and right. you're out and about and you're socializing, I think it makes them feel insecure. I think it probably does. And I dated a lot of those insecure men and I was in those relationships with them. And if you are a woman whose job it is to throw a party with both men and women, your partner may not seem to understand that. So if you are entertaining people and you are talking to several different men and your boyfriend is there, he may not understand that. See, I'm right. right? Wasn't I right? And that's but kind the, of your right. job too, Laura. That's right. Well, I had a difficult time meeting someone. I actually had to change my attitude, the way I acted around people. I, I had to change myself uh, before I was able to meet someone because I was viewed as the party girl, the girl who owned the dating company who was out there every night mingling. And so, right, like, and I find that a lot of men are insecure. doesn't matter, like, you know, who you are. Mm -hmm. But I just found that. Peter, are you an insecure dude? <laughs> I'm probably average level of security. Yeah, I just think that a lot. I, I of find men that comedians though, comedians lean more towards insecure than than massively secure, if that makes sense. But uh, I like to find. I like to always claim that I'm middle of the road for everything. So that was my issue. But then I changed. I stopped uh, having. You know, I stopped going out every night and being that big party girl, and mm -hmm. things changed for me. Yeah, but if it's your job, you have to, right? Right. Yeah. I, and I had a boyfriend. I had lots of boyfriends during but my. They 30s. weren't the right ones. They weren't the right ones, and I think you know, I look back, and I most of them probably don't know what's happened to me. And I wasn't the same person. I was not focused on being with my family, or you know, the strong morals and values that I have now just didn't exist back then. And I just wanted to be with a person who we. Were on the same page that's important to me now is to be able to be with someone who understands what I've been through and has a family that I could now incorporate into my own life and be a part of theirs so what are the psychological consequences of being a caregiver so I think there's the before and the after. So, you know, if you do lose a parent, there's also post-traumatic stress disorder, which I think I am now going through because I panic anytime I go near a hospital. I get to the point where I think I'm about to black out. Um, and this is all just from my experiences of being in the emergency room so much. 
But hun, you need some therapy. I know. Are you getting so, some therapy? And you know, this is the thing is that um, I've always gotten therapy. I mean, I'm like the, the the biggest supporter of seeing somebody and talking it out. And yes, it's something that I think has helped me through my book as well. When I look back and think of those moments that I was writing and those situations that I was in, it's a tribute to both my mom and dad, but also the experiences that I shared with them. Um, during the process, you know, you're you're pushing a lot of buttons that you probably didn't think existed before. I've never seen that type of anger come across me or another individual where I finally realize what it means when somebody says I'm seeing red. Um, I saw red. I was so angry at the types of things that the healthcare system was putting me through or what they were saying. So you haven't had any therapy yet? I have not. I, have, do you believe in an energy healer? Does talk radio count, Laura? <laughs> yeah, this is, moment yeah, this count? Is, this is helping you. <laughs> do you believe in energy healers? Because well, I have this incredible energy healer. I really believe in her. Her name is Maureen Heishi, and mm-hmm. I'm going to actually have her on this show very, very shortly. Okay. And I find by just talking to her, right. she can really help you out with some of these issues. I don't. So I don't believe in anything right now, and I think that's part of my... You need to believe I in know, order to get better and I heal. understand this, but it's really difficult to believe in something after you've lost a parent. And at this point, the universe has failed me. Any type of person that I believed was a higher power has failed me. She's also a psychic medium. And everyone has failed me. And so I just, I, I appreciate it. And I think at some point I will take up, take you up on that offer. But at this moment, I think that I am leaving on a plane on Sunday to go to Paris for a week. And that will be some well, kind of for therapy you. for me. Yes, it will be. So let's talk about your book after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about how the experience of becoming a caregiver can affect your everyday life, your relationships, and we're offering tips on how to cope with comedian, show regular, Peter Anthony, and Sonia K. Singh. She's a corporate executive turned caregiver. She cares for her, was caring for her parents, Mm -hmm. and now cares for her dad. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your book now. Uh, what were some of the moments that inspired? It's called Lightning Strikes Twice. Mm-hmm. I think I initially did not set out to write the book. It was almost a journal that I was keeping as teenage angst and also not falling asleep. I was so scared that after my mom and dad would sleep, something would happen to them while I was sleeping. So I was trying to stay up and I would just write and I would write really quick bursts of what I was feeling throughout the day. And I later realized now that I look back and I haven't reread the book yet, but there are personal experiences and I can remember where I was when that conversation happened between my mom and my dad and it's just it's a lot of bratty expressions it's a lot of anger it's a lot of happy funny moments um you know times that my mom had her opinion on who I was dating for example or what my dad thought of what was going on in the house or just banter between the two of them and that's what I remember in the last year and a half and your book is anchored by a personal essay can you tell us a little bit more about that Well, I really wanted the audience and the reader to understand what my parents were sick with. And so the personal essay is anchored based on how it started, where I was in my life. And as I mentioned earlier, I really just thought 40 was going to be the best year of my life. And my dad had just retired and so had my mom. And, you know, they had 10, 15, 20 years to look after um, their nephew or their great grandson and all this sort of stuff was going to happen. And none of that went that way. And so I think 
think that's what I wanted to depict in that personal essay was this was my life before and it changed so quickly. Did you bring me a copy? I did. <clears throat> <laughs> a signed copy? Well, you can buy one on Amazon or at your nearest chapters. I'm the there, host. You're I'm supposed, supposed to, to plug get it. For it. There free. you go. <laughs> so what advice would you give to other caregivers when it comes to relationships? This is, again, based on my experience, do not start anything new. I think that it's very, very difficult to understand. Oh, okay. But I think that would be difficult. Like, it's especially if you're caregiving for your parents for like, you know, 10 years. How mm. can you be single for 10 years? That's too much to ask. I, you know, I think for me, and I don't know, I, I'd have to have a bigger conversation and I have through my podcast with other people who have been in the same situation. And it's just, if the other person is looking to, um, you know, sleep with you and be intimate with you, that's not going to happen because your frame of mind is not there and that's not your priority. So I, it's really difficult to be in in um, a place where you're sexual and you want to go to bed looking a certain way because that's not what you're thinking of. So it'd be very difficult to start a new relationship. I guess it depends on how deep you're you're into the caregiving. Like if you're mm-hmm. caregiving for your parents 24-7, I think that's different than, you know, doing it part-time. I also think it depends on what phase you're in. So is it the beginning of your caregiving journey? Are you in rescue mode? Are you constantly on Google trying to save them and look up different ways to help them with their disease? Are you in the middle of it? Are you in the end of it? It really depends on what phase you're in in the journey. And what else would you like to other caregivers to know? I do think it's possible for you to work on the relationship. I think that um, one of the reasons that my sister's husband was so amazing and my sister's fiance was they never took away their hope. So regardless of what the doctors were saying, um, what, you know, the healthcare system was telling us, up until my mom's last breath, we never had anyone take that hope away from us in our immediate family. So I think you have to be with a person who, no matter what the situation is or what you've been told, constantly supports you with your hope. But sometimes it's easier said than done. It is, but it worked for them. So I think that you just have to be with the right person who is going to support you and not give you that reality dose when you don't need it. I know, but if you look at it in reality, you know, sometimes families just don't mesh. And right. you might marry into a family and you don't like the mother uh, <laughs> or the father. From experience? <laughs> no, but I'm just, I'm speaking from experience uh, from, uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. not, well, not personally, but mm-hmm. you know, like I hear other people talk about it where there's one party that doesn't like the other party and then and so no life uh it's not it's never perfect anyways but i think i'm thinking of what what i would want to hear and if if you know someone i was really close to was in a situation like that i would i would want to hear that you know what there is there is a chance that they're gonna pull through they're gonna this is you know let's stay positive because it can and does happen Right. right It does. And I think the reason that my relationship did not work out because of many reasons, but I do remember there was one particular incident where the person I was dating turned to me and said, you know, halfway through the journey of caregiving, you know, your mom's going to die. Oh, and no, we did not know this. And I just thought, thanks, buddy. Right. This is not the right person for me because he was so real about what he thought was going to happen. And negative. You don't want to hear that. Right. That's what it is. Well, thanks for joining us on this special episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. Becoming a caregiver can have a major impact on your life, and I hope that those of you who are caregivers in any capacity are able to relate and understand how important they are, or you are, and most of all, know that you're not alone. So to uh, 
Check out Sonia's book and to learn more about her experiences and hear her insights about providing care for loved ones, where can they find it? Uh, SoniaBooks.ca, Amazon.com, Chapters Indigo, um, and Barnes & Noble. Amazing. And Peter Anthony, where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, yeah. At Peter. Twitter. Not on the Instagram, as you know. At Peter is yeah. funny. Peter is funny. And you can find me on Instagram as well, Laura underscore Bellata, singleinthecity.ca. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Ciao.